Thank you very much, Peter, and good morning to you all. It's a privilege to be um, bringing this next part of the Lord's Word to us. Well, The Lancet is an international weekly medical journal, uh, one of the most highly regarded independent journals in the world. And on Monday, the journal published a 48-page report of a commission on dying. One of the key messages of the report is this. Death, dying, and grieving today have become unbalanced. Healthcare is now the context into which many encounter death, and as families and communities have been pushed to the margins, their familiarity and confidence in supporting death, dying, and grieving has diminished. Relationships and networks are being replaced by professionals and protocols. The Commission laid out five principles for a new vision of how death and dying could be, and one of them is this. Dying is understood to be a relational and spiritual process rather than simply a psychological event. The report says, philosophers and theologians from around the globe have recognized the value that death holds for human life. Death and life are bound together. Without death, there would be no life. Death allows new ideas and new ways. Death also reminds us of our fragility and sameness. We all die. Caring for the dying is a gift. As some philosophers and many carers, both lay and professional, have recognized, much of the value of death is no longer recognized in the modern world. But rediscovering this value can help care at the end of life and enhance living. In today's world, we don't want to talk about death. We don't want to see death. We don't want to be near death. However, the ironic effect of sterilizing ourselves from death, according to the Lancet Commission report, is that we actually have sterilized ourselves from life. The problem long predates COVID, but the medical world is beginning to see how mass medics and machines are not meaningful substitutes for the relational and the spiritual. And the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes does not shy away from the subject of death. In fact, he actively considers it in all sorts of ways, not because he's nihilistic or, or cruel, quite the opposite. His message is, we need to know and embrace our end if we're to truly live in the present. It is when we know and embrace our destinies that we find joy and hope in all seasons of life. So let's re-enter his world and join him again on this quest for meaning. First, know your destiny. On Thursday this week, I attended a, a curate's training day on maintaining church buildings and applying for faculties, i.e. how to obtain permission uh, to make changes to, to buildings. And I know what you're all thinking. You're thinking, what an electrifying life you curates lead. <laughs> In all honesty, it was fascinating and important because I learned a bit more um, about what can happen uh, to church buildings and how to look after them so that things don't go too badly wrong. 
but of course, with all buildings, some things are predictable and some things are very much unpredictable. And similarly, as creatures made by God, the teacher invites us, God's people, to reflect on what we do and don't know about our lives. So here are the, some of the things we do know. I am in God's hands. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 1. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. God is sovereign over all things. He is the creator, the giver, the judge. That means there is no place in the world where he is not present. There is no circumstance in our lives that he does not rule over. And just because we're small and fragile does not mean that God is distant and disinterested in us. We've spoken about this before, but he formed us, he sustains us, he comes to us, he redeems us, he adopts us. And so those of us who belong to him in Christ can know for certain that he is not absent in our grief. He's not lost control over our illness. He's not forgotten you as you grow old. He's still with you on your, dead bed, uh, on your deathbed. The psalmist declares in Psalm 103 famous words, often read at funerals, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the fields. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. I'm in God's hands. As we've reflected on previously, as his child in Christ, I am unceasingly held in his grip. I also know that I will die. So Ecclesiastes 9 verse 2, all share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who don't. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterwards, they join the dead. Whoever you are, whatever you're like, whatever precautions you've taken, the one thing that you and I cannot avoid or overcome is that we will die. With 100% certainty, you and I will go to our graves. And yet, as dismal as that sounds on the surface, there is also hope in life. So the teacher goes on, verse 4, anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. 
They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. You know, you and I are present here today because we're alive. Well, at least I hope so. And the fact that we're here means that we can hear this message of hope. Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. As Paul says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam, all die without exception.
is broken and people truly love each other because that's a gift that can only come from God and his grace. Likewise, I don't know how successful or powerful or wealthy I'll become. Um, it's really fun, I think, to watch the children play after church and run around together. Um, don't tell them, but I, I do quite like listening to their little conversations. And I've, I've heard them say things like, um, if you were an animal, what would you be? Um, are you a spy or a robber? I hope that's a game they're playing. Otherwise, we've got serious pastoral issues in our, amongst our children. And my personal favorite, what's your favorite number? It makes me wonder who or, or what they'll become, what they'll grow up to do and enjoy. But the truth is, we don't know. Because Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. We can try to imagine the lives of our children or, or map out our own careers. But we don't know the exact path we'll take. Life is elusive. It's hebel. I also don't know how or when I'll die. In Ecclesiastes 9 verse 9, the teacher describes our very days as hebel. Fleeting, elusive, mysterious. Some of us may be closer to the end than others, but it's simply beyond our wisdom to know how many days remain. I may die in old age. I may die on the way home from church. Verse 12, no man knows when his hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. People can be snatched from us far too soon in our, in our eyes, and, and that can be exceptionally difficult. It is exceptionally uh, difficult. And this doesn't minimize the pain of that. But those in Christ can never be snatched from his hand. None of those given to Jesus will be lost or driven away. Know your destiny. Second, and more briefly this morning, embrace your destiny. I learned from Steve earlier this week that uh, one of the most influential uh, books in the business and management world is a book by Stephen Convey called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, perhaps it's the secret to how Steve seemingly works two full-time jobs. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, second on the list of the seven habits of highly effective people is this. Start with the end in mind. And that's very much the message of the teacher here. Start with the end in mind. Live with death in view. Or in David Gibson's words, live life backward. He says, let the grave be your teacher. Because when you take the one thing in the future that's certain, our death, and work backwards, it shapes our values and our priorities and our goals and decisions, whatever stage you are in life. So, for example, 
if you're young and healthy, when it's tempting to feel free and invincible, getting to grips with your mortality grounds you. It, it brings humility. If you shut yourself off from thoughts of death or you only ever think about it in a clinical way, you'll lose something from the meaning of life. You'll be poorer for it. Living life backward makes you wiser than your years and cultivates trust in God and, and thanksgiving when times are perhaps easier so that you're prepared for the darker days to come. And they will come. They will be many, says the teacher. So remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of troubles come and the years approach when you say, I find no pleasure in life. If you've hit middle age and you're beginning to creak, especially when you're doing that leaning, it can be tempting to think your best days are behind you. And that can bring with it a certain dissatisfaction, frustration, perhaps even anger. But living with the end in view prevents you from trying to keep hold of something that's already gone. The source of joy in life is not youth. Youth and vigor, says the teacher, are hebel. The source of joy is God, the giver of all good gifts. The fact is our bodies will fail and our minds will fade over time. And yet he doesn't. He doesn't change. His grip doesn't loosen on us. It doesn't get any uh, weaker. Perhaps you're older and the aches and pains are no longer an uncommon occurrence. They're an everyday reality. For you, it might be tempting to put on a brave face and deny the pains and the frustrations and the disappointments you face. Perhaps you wonder who you are these days. Last week, I, I hope he doesn't mind me embarrassing him, but last week I spoke, spoke to Gordon and I asked about the lifespan of a rose bush. And uh, he told me that they last about 15 years before they, they don't bear as many flowers. And perhaps you don't. Perhaps you don't consider yourself the young rosebud you once were. How do you live well as you age? How do you embrace this particular season? Now, I obviously don't know what it's like to be old, not yet anyway. But what I do know, because the Lord tells us in his word, is that each person is valued by God. We're made in the dignity of his image. We do know that we are each cared for by God. Every hair on our heads, even if you don't have many left, has been put there by him. We do know that our dependency is part of who he made us. So when my children were little, I, um, I fed and I carried them. And one day, they may have to do the same for me. But that is an expression of how I am a creature held in the hand of God. And so it's not a burden on others. It actually helps them and us, as we're the ones carried, to enact 
who we are and to live by faith, to show our dependence on the good giver, the God who made us. Each stage of the arc of human life is an opportunity to receive his grace and to grow in faith and love of him. So you know there is beauty in aging. As Psalm 92 says, they still bear fruit in old age. They are forever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. And when it's time to die, as the risen Christ proclaimed to Paul, his grace will still be sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. And you can be sure of that because the Lord Jesus himself has gone before us in death. He's prepared the way, which means that we can actually embrace our destinies, including the hardships, the difficulties, the disappointments, the losses, the griefs along the way. Things we wouldn't necessarily choose for ourselves because each step on the road to our final destiny lead us ever closer into his arms. So as we close, let's listen and reflect again on these beautiful, real, and yet hope-filled words from Ecclesiastes 12, verses 1 to 7. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When men rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along. And desire no longer is stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home. And mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Let's pray. Our wonderful creator, Lord of life, judge of all, heavenly father. We praise and thank you for everything we receive from you. We are like the flowers of the fields. The wind blows over it and they're gone. And yet you remember us. You keep your covenant with us. And may we so know your goodness, your grip on us in Christ, that we can today live 
laugh and love to your praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's respond to the Lord's word by singing his praises. Uh, specifically, let's rejoice together in Christ, who is our hope in life and in death. And when the musicians are ready, please stand to sing. <laughs> 